Welcome to What Do You Think? I'm Al. And I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. And welcome to the welcome to Alan C. <laughs> so 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 let me ask you, C, what do you think about Barbie in general? The movie or the toy? The toy. We'll talk about the movie in due time. Let's talk about yeah. the toy. So I'll admit I, I don't have that big of a personal connection with yeah, the Yeah, because we're both guys. Yeah, we're both dudes. Um, and for the record, folks, um, this episode's coming out a little late because we were desperately trying to find someone, family members included, who had some sort of childhood connection to the Barbie toy because I think we – and Al, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we both kind of accepted that that element – uh, that perspective is missing from us, so to speak. Oh, totally. Um, like, I loved the Lego movie, but that's also because I loved Legos as a kid. Like, I was obsessed. Yeah, and I love all the Transformers movies because I was obsessed with Transformers. Yeah. Now, that being said, if they ever make a Rubik's Cube movie, I don't think I'll be in love with that movie. But No, 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 no. Or maybe unless it's about the making of the Rubik's Cube, watch them do it. Well, um, it wasn't, it, he was like a college professor, like a Hungarian college professor or something. But... Oh. Yeah, Barbie. Uh, like, what what can we say about our history with Barbie? Like, okay, I think I think I speak for both C and I that our interactions with Barbie amounted to uh, when we got mad at any female family member, we got their Barbie and tore off its head or something. I don't know. I'm sure I did some sort of homicide to the Barbies um, at some point. But what what I would be even broader say is that our relationship to the Barbie toy is observations uh, that we've made with our, of our sisters, basically that we not yeah. even like that we were studying them, but like, like, okay, like what we would see them do. Okay. Oh yeah. Like, you know, I would see my sisters do like Barbie owns her house. Barbie drives her own car. Barbie, Barbie. I think one of my sisters made Barbie a chef and another sister made Barbie a hairdresser. Um, I Barbie. also know that so did you one thing that happened with my sister is that she in do you remember okay I don't know if you remember this at all but at from the year 2000 forward Mattel would make like an um a happy new year Barbie that was like very well made like kind of meant to be a collector's item do you remember that at all vaguely because I think someone gave my sister because my, my sister has her birthday very close to New Year's. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think in one of her birthdays, she got like a New Year's Barbie. Yeah. Because so, she was wearing like a really nice like black and gold dress. Yes. So that my sister got that for her Christmas one time. And my mom really was hoping to keep it in the box because she was like, if any of the Barbies we ever own might have some value at all, it might be the 2000 anniversary Barbie like there there's a chance of that but literally day like Christmas day my sister was not having that and immediately ripped it out of the box she was like she's eh, fuck <laughs> yeah she was like fuck that shit this fuck Barbie's getting shit. played with yeah and because she's a child of course and lo and behold if you look it up that Barbie's like worth a solid chunk of change so there oh, you really? go. you're you're kidding me really not okay let me be clear not like a ton like but it is worth like I think it's you can get it you can sell it for like two grand I've been told like Jesus. if it's but in pristine condition mm, unopened okay. untouched nothing messed with and it's like even having a really 
tacky, um, what would one would call like a okay? If it a lot of times when toys are resold at another store, you know, from that aren't from directly from the either Toys R Us or something like that at the time, you know, the new store would put a new price tag on top of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So apparently that alone can destroy the value of this Barbie because it's like you've affected the the comp, the, the integrity of the box or something. So mm-hmm. it's not worth a lot, and a lot can make it worth nothing, basically. Mm. But it was just funny that, like, it was instant, like, nope, playing with it uh, right away. You know, the, the one thing I, I, I do remember about Barbie was, so, folks, I'm sure you're all aware that us guys, us little boys, we have a, well, millennials. Let, let me say millennials and Gen Xers, because that's not actually true for Gen Z anymore. Yeah. Gen Xers and millennials, older millennials, at least for the guys, they had um, Hot Wheels, Transformers, uh, G.I. Joes, Legos. There was a multitude of, of toys that that little boys, that boys would, would play with. For girls, it really was just either baby dolls or Barbie. Oh, and for a I, long time. And I guess, like when you're a toddler, the trolls. Well, also you got to remember, toddler toys are pretty unisex. unisex. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, and trolls is more unisex. So, really and truly, it was like baby dolls, stuffed animals, and Barbie. Yeah. In fact, it was a big thing when Bratz came out. Because oh, yeah. that was like the new doll. Um, yeah. Whose feet could pop off apparently. Which, okay. But that um, was like a big deal. And that's, I remember, I remember the day my sister made the big leap from a Barbie doll to a Bratz doll because that was I, the new thing. But the thing with Barbie, at least like when I was growing up, was that because Barbie had such a monopoly on little girls' toys, like, because here's the thing. If it wasn't Barbie, it was a very blatant knockoff of Barbie. Actually, there is one other thing that could cross the gender aisle, which was um, anything that was like Sesame Street or even for slightly older kids. Um, but yeah, but any, like, but yeah. but exclusively like for girls, yeah. it was really just a variation of a baby doll or a Barbie. Yep, and that's true. The way Barbie was able to, like, keep people interested in Barbie was that, quite frankly, there was, like, so many different variations of Barbie. Oh, yeah. Either either based on, like, Barbie or based on, like, Barbie's friends or based off of... Uh, of lifestyle of Barbie or career she had of every Barbie. Occupation. Imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And especially exploded like during the nineties when they, they really wanted to push that Barbie can do anything. Yeah. Um, and actually famously it was a bit, there was I, years later, I found out there was a bit of a joke among, you know, our parents that like Barbie had done more things than like women had Barbie had broken more glass ceilings, basically. That was the yeah. idea. That was the a, a really mean joke at the time. Yeah, and and you know, just the the fact of the matter is, is that my sisters. So you you gotta think of how crazy it is. I could have like like ten different types of toys. My sisters would have ten of the same toy, but they might as well have been different toys because the variations of Barbie were so crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, 
like the accessories were always different and there was always some or if it wasn't like a career thing it was like some sort of 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 what's the word i'm looking for some like or like, it was a season or a style or it was like or or like some sort of feature like yeah, like something remember, special like remember the barbie that like came with a with a quote unquote cell phone and I, it would be like, oh, you can talk to Barbie. Remember or that? Or there was the, and the movie makes a joke about this, Barbie with a, that has a pet dog that pooped. Like, that was a thing. Yeah, or, or the Barbie that was actually, like, a shitty, like, digital video camera. That And that got Mattel in some trouble. That, <laughs> yeah, that did get Mattel in that, some trouble. I remember that. That was a big, that was a big problem. Um, yeah. But there was, there were other, well, uh, I'll get into that later. But, yes, that got them in some trouble. And, actually... There are some Mattel's mistakes are hilarious sometimes. No, no, they are. They are. They're very hilarious. It's it's just that thing again that that was the thing that kind of fascinated me is that like, you know, there's only so many Transformers a kid can have before he's like, it's the same toy over and over again. Yeah. Um, but for little girls, they could have 100 Barbies and they'd all be drastically different. And that that's just saying something for the R&D department at Mattel that they just came up with so many different Barbies Uh, to to the point now that people have like extensive hobbies of just collecting every Barbie ever made. Mm -hmm. And that's a, like a lifetime hobby. It is. It is. Cause it's certain. I don't know anything about, in fact, well, there's an episode of the Simpsons where Mr. Smithers is a vast, their version of Barbie. I forget what they called it, but he was a collector of all these Barbies or their version of them. You know, um, you know what's funny is yeah. that like a lot of cartoons that we watched growing up, there was always an episode, like weirdly, there would always be an episode that dealt with like those hobbyists that collected like whatever their version of Barbie was mm-hmm. like. And the big thing was like always in the box, always in the box. Like oh, yeah. I, Dexter's Laboratory had an episode about it. Yep. The Rugrats had an episode about it. It was either Barbies or G.I. Joe. It was always keep it in the box. In the box, keep it in the box. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although I have to ask, speaking of G.I. Joe and Barbie, apparently there was some sort of like weird rebellion in a, fa- in a Mattel factory at one point where for like a solid, I think a couple hundred Barbies and G.I. Joes, you know, how there were certain versions where you'd press a button uh, and they'd say G.I. Joe is Hasbro. Oh, so then it was just this protest group doing it, I guess, or somehow they did this, where people were buying G.I. Joes and buying the Barbies that where you pressed a button, they'd say something, and switching the the chips and the speakers, repackaging them as best they could, and in certain cases, returning them to the store, so that when kids bought the Barbies, it would be like, they'd press the Barbie, the button, and it'd be like, I will destroy my enemies, and for G.I. Oh, Joe, Oh, oh, Mattel, Mattel, okay, yeah, it wasn't G.I. Joe, it was, um... Or Mattel, their version of it. Yeah, Mattel Action Man, I think. Something yeah. like that. But yeah, like, okay, yeah, so yeah. it was the factory workers, and they were, compl- they were, it was their way of protesting against, like, I guess, the way they were being treated. And they switched a bunch of the things around so that Action Man said, I'm just going to go to the mall for a little bit, or something like that. And that is the funniest protest ever. That is fucking hilarious, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Anyways. Uh, yeah, no. Um, that that that's actually kind of messed up. <laughs> can you can you imagine you buy you buy a um a, you buy like a like da da da. Let me see. Uh, da, da, da. 
Huh. I had no idea Mattel owned Hot Wheels, but here we are. Oh, no. Mattel owned Masters of the Universe. That's He-Man. what it was. Okay. So He-Man. they switched He-Man stuff out. Oh, oh my, my God. God. That's funny. Speaking but, of which, yeah. speaking of which, folks. So for the longest time, I let, let me just to give a quick history lesson. So for the longest time, Mattel. Okay. Let's let's go back to the far off time of 2004. Hasbro sells the rights, the film rights to its Transformers line to Paramount. Was it Paramount? Mm. Yes. Yes. Paramount. Paramount. And Paramount teams up with DreamWorks to make this movie. Fast forward to 2007, Michael Bay's directed, Steven Spielberg, executive producer, Transformers comes out and makes a boatload of money. A boatload of money. And Hasbro realizes, oh, we can license our toy lines and make movies out of them. Hmm. Mattel is like, that's a stupid idea. Why would we do that? We don't need to do that. We're fine just making these shitty cgi direct to dvd barbie movies oh yeah Mm. uh eventually mattel's mattel has a regime change and one of the first thing the new the new executive board wants to do is we want to make movies about our toys because hasbro hasbro's been in the game now for over 10 years and they're making bank we want to make bank too Mm -hmm. and the first thing they want to do is the toy that made mattel uh, Barbie. Mm-hmm. So they start shopping around uh, a studio to make Barbie with. Uh, I don't know if it was Warner Brothers or Universal, but one of those two picked up the Barbie option. And weirdly, oh, and uh, after they got the Barbie out, they got He-Man out as well. Mm-hmm. And He-Man went to Sony, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Sony, yeah. And Universal or Warner Bros., I don't know who, basically goes, so we're going to make this into a comedy and uh, Amy Schumer is going to play Barbie. And I remember the internet going crazy when that came out. Losing its mind. Uh, this was like right after Trainwreck came out. So this is like 2016, late 2016. Yeah. She was in her, she was in her, at the high, at her highest peak at the time. Yeah. And, you know, the let, let's 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 just get it out of the way. Amy Schumer does not look like Barbie. She just doesn't. That's not a moral judgment. That's just fact. She doesn't look like Barbie. Uh, apparently, the story that Mattel and the studio wanted to make was not the story that uh, Amy Schumer wanted to make. Mm-hmm. And she because she was going to direct it, too. Right. No, no, no. I no? think she wanted. um I think she or to co-write she, it. She wanted to co-write it, yeah. Okay. But anyway, they don't like the story, so Amy Schumer leaves the project. Mm-hmm. Now, for I know for a fact that now Warner Brothers is in control of the project, and they had just uh, they had just uh, uh, what was it? Um, they. I don't know if they signed a first look deal with Margot Robbie's production company, but they wanted to be in business with Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie just started her own production company. 
the first film they released that she produced was I Tonya. Yeah. I Tonya. Mm-hmm. I Tonya makes a, I Tonya gets Margot Robbie. She got an Oscar nomination for that. Didn't she? Yes. And rightfully so. Yeah. She got an Oscar nomination for that. And, uh, uh, Warner brothers wants to be in the business of Margot Robbie. They, so they do something. I don't know if it's, it was a first look deal. I don't know what it was, but, in the end, Margot Robbie goes like, hey, I'm interested in the Barbie project. And they're like, well, yeah, you look like Barbie. Sure. <laughs> and uh, Margot Robbie takes in the project. And I believe she was so impressed with Little Woman that Greta Gerwig had just directed mm-hmm. that she came up to her and says, hey, would you would you want to take on this project? Her and Warner Brothers approached Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig, who received rave reviews for Lady Bird, who, which is a movie that you and I both really like, mm-hmm. uh, w- like her Little Women uh, adaptation was very well received. Mm-hmm. Greta Gerwig goes like, you know what? Yeah, I want to make a, I want to make a a blockbuster because this Barbie project was going to be a blockbuster. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she signs on to do it, and this is the Barbie movie we got. Now the funny thing is, is that Mattel kind of expected that Barbie was going to be like a mid-budget thing and that and that He-Man was going to be its big budget extravaganza. Holy shit. The funny thing about He-Man though was that He-Man has been having as much trouble as The Flash did in getting made. Directors would sign on like John M. Chu signed on then they would drop the project actors would sign on like uh, Noah Centennial and then they would drop the project I think Sony eventually abandoned the project. Netflix picked it up, and now Netflix abandoned the project too. Well, Netflix did do like an original cartoon series, yeah, uh, that did not do well. Yeah, and uh, now, ironically enough, like He Man is still in development hell. Now, Polly Pocket of all things, from <laughs> also from Mattel, is get, is going into production, having a script written by Lena Dunham. Really? Yeah, Lena Dunham wrote the script. I don't know if she's going to direct it, but... Interesting. uh, But yeah. So, irony of ironies. Mattel was like, okay, Barbie's going to probably be something, you know, like a a moderately expensive comedy, but, you know, nothing too crazy. He-Man's going to be our big, like, Transformers thing. And it ended up being that Barbie ended up being a... Well, Barbie was not an expensive movie. Well, it was expensive, but it wasn't that expensive. Uh, it was it, yeah yeah it was, it was pricier than they thought I bet yeah it was pricier than they thought but like I don't think Mattel ever expected Barbie to be this much of a blockbuster no, which it is surprised. folks Bar- Barbie Barbie's gonna be making a billion dollars by the end of the week is Barbie gonna Barbie might be the uh, it's gonna be the number one of the summer probably number one of the year actually yeah who, who else who else can compete against it the 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 only Spider-verse other Spider-Verse was the closest and it's not. It's no, already... it was actually Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. That was wait, Volume 3 beat uh Spider-Verse? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was the other yeah. way around. Yeah, no, oh, Volume damn. 3 beat Spider-Verse, but um but yeah, so Greta Gerwig signs on and you know, we start hearing all these casting call calls. Uh Ryan Gosling gets cast as Ken. Uh we find out that they cast the bunch of these uh, up-and-coming actresses or, or A-list actresses, A-B-list or up-and-coming actresses in various roles of various Barbies, mm-hmm. and then all these actors in various roles of Ken's or Ken's mm-hmm. friends. And uh, the first trailer comes out, and people are like, oh, this looks like fun. 
Mm-hmm. And then something else happened. Or, oh. or, or people realized that Barbie and Christopher <laughs> Nolan's Oppenheimer were coming out on the same day. And what so, if we told you this was somewhat by design? <laughs> yes. So, folks, Christopher Nolan was very mad that Warner Brothers, for their 2021 slate, was going to both release them in theaters and release them on HBO Max at the same time. That pissed him off. Mm-hmm. That pissed him off so much that he wrote a he wrote an open letter about it mm-hmm. and pretty much ended his relationship with Warner Brothers. Yeah. And so he shopped Oppenheimer to everyone besides Warner Brothers. And Warner Brothers was so peeved about this, especially the new regime who was like, we're buying the studio that makes Chris Nolan movies. Oh, Chris Nolan left us because we were trying because the previous regime was trying to uh, trying to, to stay afloat. Well, fuck him. What's our what's our biggest movie for the summer, Barbie? We're going to release that the same day he releases his movie. Is that a good idea? I don't know, but we're going to market the shit out of this movie. And, and boy, did they. And boy, did they. But what? But the thing was, when people realized that Oppenheimer and Barbie was coming out at the same time and that both trailers came out around the same time, the, the first looks of the movies, mm-hmm. uh, people started saying like, oh, uh, people started memeing the whole thing. The meme is now Barbenheimer, right? That's that's the meme, and uh, yeah, no, I, in a weird way, uh, Barbenheimer probably is what. This is this purely my opinion. I I could this is my hot take. I do think so. Barbie Barbenheimer is what happens when a meme really takes on a life of its own. To the point that it leaves like the halls of social media and onlineness and like starts expressing itself in real life. And I I'm, completely agree, yeah. And my hot take is that I do believe the phenomenon of Barbenheimer is why Barbie is a gonna be a billion dollar movie and why Oppenheimer, a movie that is three hours long, <laughs> mostly people talking about quantum physics and has really no action scenes to speak of. Is doing so bu- well. Is doing so well. Yep. This, this this is a movie that. And I want to be clear. We listened to our previous episode. We loved Oppenheimer. Obviously, we're not shitting on the movie by saying this, but yeah, but I actually Oppen- agree with you, Al, completely. Oppenheimer, like Oppenheimer, is not a blockbuster movie. Oppenheimer is not like like there there is. Oppenheimer is grand in scale, but not in the way that brings audiences or into the seats. It, in fact, its scale is kind of what makes you a little like feels the tension going throughout the movie. Oppenheimer really and truly feels like Nolan's interpretation of the biopic and biopics usually get released in November, not in the mm-hmm. summer. But because Nolan is such a big name, they, they risk they, they took the risk in putting this out in the summer. Um, and they always wonder, I think Warner brothers always under, or not Warner universal always understood that this will make money, but this will not make as much money as something like Dunkirk or, or interstellar mm-hmm. or inception, you know, mm-hmm. but Barbenheimer really pushed that so that this movie, like this movie is now the second highest grossing movie of Nolan's career. That's second behind dark Knight, I'm guessing. Yeah. Second, second behind dark Knight. Wow. No, it's, it's, yes. Second behind Dark Knight domestically. Okay. Glo- globally, I think it's like fourth. Okay. Still. 
Yeah. So, so he's got to, he might have to give Greta Gerwig a call and be like, thanks. <laughs> well, the the, well, the thing is, is that uh, a lot of people assumed that Nolan would be very pissed that, that some, that his old studio dare release a movie when his movie comes out. But he's actually been very supportive of the whole thing. He's like, yeah, I'm glad there's competition. That means people are coming into the theater. That's all I want. No, and he's, I think he's hand the entire Oppenheimer cast has actually handled this and crew and director have handled this the best. Yeah, and kind of going back to Greta Gerwig, Greta Gerwig is also like like Greta Gerwig, uh, Greta Gerwig, uh, Tom Cruise, and uh, Christopher McQuarrie. They've all been like celebrating that these big movies have been coming out close to each other because they're like, yes, come to the theater, come see. Come see Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Come see Barbie. Come see Oppenheimer. See it all. Like, yeah. like the the fact that Tom Cruise goes like, when they ask him, are you seeing Barbie or Oppenheimer first? He's like, it doesn't matter. I'm seeing both on the same day. Yeah. You know, the fact that Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie took pictures of them going to watch Dead Reckoning. Yeah. You know, this is good. This is good for... This is healthy. For, for going to the movies. Because it, for a long time, it seemed like, like we would get like these peaks of like oh uh, movies are coming back with uh with uh, uh Godzilla versus Kong mm-hmm. and then it'd die again and then we'd be like oh now it's back with uh, with Top Gun Maverick and then it'd die again mm-hmm. and now like Dead Reckoning Barbie Oppenheimer it's been consistent across and- the Spider Verse I'll say it yeah but it's and- it's you're right it's and what's weird it's consistent. And it's the beginning of an, and we've talked about this a little bit. It's a, it's a post Marvel renaissance in a lot of ways where it's almost like people were crazy, have unknowingly been craving. And I say that after I just said Spider-Verse, I understand this, but people are craving something different. And in this one summer, we've been getting it because it's, it's funny to think that like, the bombs are the bombs of this summer were not the bombs people expected and the hits are not what they expected either but it has changed the game in a way that i am personally very excited about yeah no i i agree i think i think it's good when a movie like barbie makes a billion dollars because first of all barbie did not cost 500 million to make barbie exactly. did not even cost 200 million to make barbie cost a little over 100 million Oh wow, really? That was it? Yeah. I thought I thought it was like wow, I thought it was more than that. Damn. Uh, I'll give you I'll give you the exact number. Let me oh, see. Oh shit. But what I also, well, I'll get into this in a minute. Oh, Barbie is exactly 100 million. Wow. So folks, just to put it in perspective, that like and the amount it's made, Jesus. Most Marvel movies cost 250 million on average. On average. Some more, some more. So imagine a hundred million and you get a 900 million profit out of it. Mm-hmm. Right. But I also like that not only was it a movie that was re- that you have now told me that was relatively for what it was compared to other movies, relatively affordable. And I'll get to this a little bit later, but the way this movie was made in certain ways, I'm so happy it did well because of that. But mm-hmm. we'll get into that a little bit later. So, Yeah. So just a couple couple of things I want to add before we watch the trailer and yes. give our give our give our review of the movie. Yes. Uh, Greta Gerwig wrote this with her partner slash husband Noah Baumbach. Uh, so she she wrote this with him. 
Noah Baumbach, for those that don't know, was the writer and director of The Squid the Whale. He got his started his career being a co-writer in a lot of Wes Anderson productions. Uh, and then uh, I think his most famous movie Marriage that Story. he's directed. Prob- well, Marriage Story. Marriage Story. Yeah, I, I was about I was about to say Francis Ha, which is his that's first his movie. Sec- with- that's his other big movie. Like Francis Ha was the movie that people were like, oh, that guy before Marriage Story came out. Yeah. Um, also, Francis Ha was kind of the movie that like was always on your queue in Netflix, but you never watched. That was kind of the joke. Yeah. About it's it. also the movie where he met Greta Gerwig. Yes. And Greta it's a Gerwig. Great movie, for the record. Yeah. And Greta Gerwig, she got her start. She was she was a member of the act of the actor circle that were in all those mumblecore movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the in like the early two thousands. In she fact, her in directorial th- debut officially, the actual directorial debut of hers, is a little mumblecore-y in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like, like she's in Baghead, which is like the mumblecore movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, then, you know, she, she pops up in, in some other mumblecore stuff. Uh, but she doesn't really. She, oh, I, I totally forgot. Frances Hall was not her first uh, movie with, uh, with uh, Noah Baumbach. That was the first movie where she was the lead in. Her first mm-hmm. movie was Noah Baumbach was Greenberg, which most people know oh. as like that small Ben Stiller movie that he made. That's right. Yeah. So, but you know, after, you know, after Greenberg, she, she, she's a love interest in the Arthur reboot. Uh, she pops up in a, a couple of other things, but Francis Hall is the one that kind of gets her noticed as an actress. And, you know, she, she pops up in more things, but instead of like kind of going all in on the actress thing, I mean, she's in Jackie, she's in Wiener Dog. Um, she actually like decides to go and decides to direct her own stuff. And she directs Lady Bird. And Lady Bird was a phenomenon amongst the award circuits, amongst the cinephiles. It was huge. It kind of, it kind of cemented Saoirse Ronan's uh, position as uh, as an actress to watch for. Uh, it was one of the Timothy Chalamet movies that made people realize, oh, this guy's a great actor. Mm-hmm. And uh, all it also had. Um, Jonah Hill's sister in it. I forget her name. Bean oh, something. that's right. Yeah. It, it actually, like when you rewatch it, you're like, oh yeah, all these young actors, they're, they're, they're kind of like on the up and up. Like there's a, there's a supporting character who's played by Odea Rush. She's like, uh, she was like the love interest in Goosebumps. I don't know if you remember that. Hmm. Uh, then uh, like, yeah, like you, you watch all the young people and you're like, oh yeah, you, you, there are a lot of that guy, that guy, like Lucas Hedges is in Lady Bird. Oh yeah, he is. I forgot. Yeah, he's that. like, he's like the second boyfriend, I think. Yeah. Pretty yeah. Much. Uh, but anyway, everyone loved it. You loved it. I loved it. Uh, and, you know, Little Woman, you know, again, has Timothy Chalamet, <laughs> Saoirse Ronan. I know. And respect and, and on, genuinely, I know a lot of people who really liked the Little Women remake. To yeah. be clear, I, I still have a soft spot for the Renona Ryder one, but that's just me. Well, also the mother, the mother in oh, uh, in the Renona Ryder one, she's fantastic in that. Oh, who played it? That's uh, who, um, uh, you know, uh, 
Oh, fudge. No, I'm not forgetting this woman's name. She's amazing. Um, she was in, uh, she's in, she's um, huge. she's in uh, Bull Dur- Durham, right? Hold on. It's, not Sigourney Weaver. No, it's, uh, it's um, hold on. Oh, she's going to, she's the villain in Blue Beetle. Um, yeah. She's, uh, she, she's in Rocky Horror Picture Show. She's a let, Susan Sarandon. Yes. Yeah, Susan Sarandon. Legend. Tim Robbins' ex-wife. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Legend. And she's great as the mother in that, in that movie, oh, yeah. in the 90s one. Anyways, yeah. but people really like it. And I'll admit that Saoirse Ronan is great in it. Like, mm-hmm. I'll say that. Um, and also, that's the movie that further propels, um, oh, she's in Oppenheimer now. and uh, Florence she, Pugh. Yeah, that, that really pushed Florence Pugh. I think that got her first Oscar nomination, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, yeah, all so four, all four of the Little Women, they're like pretty big actresses. Yeah. Emma Watson, Saoirse Ronan, Florence Pugh, and uh, the third one, the one that was in that's uh, the girl from Pearl. That's the girl in Pearl, uh, as a young girl. Um, no, that's not. Ex. That's that's not. That's not. Uh, that's not the girl from Pearl. She's in. Um, she's in. Uh, uh, she was in that HBO show with Amy Adams. Hmm. It's. Uh, the, the the one the one where Amy, Amy Adams was like like sharp objects oh okay um uh, also had Christmasina in it I love that guy uh the actress the actress I'm thinking of is Eliza Scanlon okay you're right oh yes I know who this is she was in old as well okay yeah she was in old she was in old uh she was in The Devil All the Time with uh, Tom Holland. Yes. Oh, she's great in that. Oh, so she's she, oh really yeah, she's very, she's very good. She's very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like the least famous of the quartet, but she's but that's, she's, like, she's still they're doing very well. Yeah. She and she, she's still like a great, great actress. Yeah. All right, but anyway, let's watch the trailer for Barbie and then give our review on Barbie. Yes. Hey, Barbie. Can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned, just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. You can find me under the lights, diamonds under my eyes. This is the best day ever. It is the best day ever. So is yesterday, and so is tomorrow, and every day from now until forever. Do you guys ever think about dying? When my heart breaks Some things have been happening that might be related When my world shakes Cold shower Falling off my roof Ah! And my heels are on the ground (gasps) What do I have to do? You have to go to the real world you can go back to your regular life, or you can know the truth about the universe. The choice is now yours. The first one, the high heel. You have to want to know, okay? Do it again. Closer I am to Closer I am to I'm coming with you. Okay. This is the real world. <laughs> What's going on? Why are these men looking at me? Yeah, they're also staring at me. Barbie in the real world. That's impossible. 
If this got out, this could mean extremely weird things for our world. This would be catastrophic! We haven't played with Barbie since we were like five years old. Oh. No one rests until this doll is back in a box. Even if nobody else sings along. Humans only have one ending. Get that Barbie! Ideas live forever. No, I won't let you do just one appendectomy. But I'm a man. But not a doctor. Can I talk to a doctor? You are talking to a doctor. Can I need a clicky pen? No. A sharp thing? No. There he is. Doctor! Somebody get security. Is Bobby if you still in doubt? Oh, Ken. Okay. I am Ken, Ken, Ken. He is Knuff. He is so that sweater has sold out for the or that hoodie has sold out for the record. Uh, of course, it's sold out. <laughs> oh my god! So, be, before I let you talk about it, see, I, yeah. I, I do want to, I do want to talk about something about the movie that has just been, I don't know, uh, talked about uh-huh. over, over, and over about this movie that I, I do feel like needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you get on the internet and you look up like you look up like uh like what people are saying about the movie, one of the, one of the things they say about it is like oh this movie is super woke or oh this movie is super anti male or oh this movie is super this super that blah 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 like really I think only one person on the internet had the greatest comment about Barbie, the movie. And that was that Barbie, this movie is the ultimate Rorschach test. You can literally read so many things into this movie. It's kind of ridiculous. Uh, You're right. Actually, people are reading into it's, you know what? Okay. It's like, a. I will not bring anyone's specific religion to this, but it is a religious text in the sense that, like you say, you can read it, watch it, or whatever, and you're going to get your own interpretation. But you're right. The Rorschach test, it's like, it says more about you, what you think of it. Yeah, like, some something I, I feel that needs to be said is that, folks, Barbie... The, if you know anything about the history of, of Barbie, which, if you do, you're a little weird... I mean, you. I mean, you would be weird if you knew the history of every toy. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. Barbie literally started off because its inventor Ruth Handler was like, "I want to create a doll that isn't a baby, so that girls can look at something or play with something that inspires them to that they don't just have to be. They can be anything other. They can be other things beyond being mothers, right?" So Barbie is inherently second wave feminist. That's literally why it was invented. And if you if look up any documentary about Barbie and they literally tell you, yeah, that's the whole point. So if, if second wave feminism bothers you, if anything feminist bothers you, why the fuck are you watching a Barbie movie? Like the literal history of the toy is was that it was meant to inspire little girls to become things other than just mothers. Mm-hmm. literally is why, why, why Ruth Handler invented the toy. So get that out of the way. If, if that bugs you, don't watch the movie. Don't watch the movie. Cause like I went in there knowing like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what Barbie's about. It's kind of about these women kind of being like in these positions that 
at the time that when these toys line came out, they just were not right. Mm-hmm. Um, or and, so wait, when did the first Barbie come out? I have no it came idea. out in the sixties. Okay. So yeah, it's very much in the, it's very much in, in all of that. You're right. Yeah. So, so, so for me, like what I read into this is what I read into Barbie is that yes, this is a, a, a women empowerment story because it's Barbie. If it's not a women empowerment story, it's not, not doing being tr- it right. It's not true to the toy line. I know that sounds so weird to say like Barbie <laughs> being about women's toy. empowerment is the same as transformers being about robots that turn into cars. Yeah. You take that away. It's not the toy. It's just yeah. some weirdo blonde who always smiles. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, okay, so so that, that that's just my little rant because I've, I've read people so much who are like, oh, I'm so shocked at this. And I'm like, how? Why? How? Why? <laughs> why? Why? How? Why and how? Like, this is literally what the movie's about is, is about female empowerment. But anyway, anyway. So. so yes. Uh, no, I was actually going to say. So, see, your thoughts on the movie. I want to add one comment to what you said. I think the reason why this is such a Rorschach test, as you've put it, is because, so, this movie is immediately reaching out not only to the little girls of today, but really, truly, the mothers of these little girls. That's oh yeah, that's the prime. That's the prime who is really into it. And as this movie actually talks about, you know, a lot of little girls these days, there, there's other toys now. There's other options. But for a lot of these little girls' mothers, Barbie was the new thing. Uh, it was huge. And what. I realized is that the reason why you're getting such a varied reaction from both men and women is because a toy like Barbie is very similar to a toy like the Le- like Legos in one way. Imagination is the is the fuel that drives the engine, okay? Yeah. Imagination is incredibly personal. It always is. It always will be. So people, every single person that ever played with a Barbie has a very personal, usually not everyone played with them, but has some sort of personal specific thing with that they experienced with their Barbie. Barbie. It is a harder to please fan base than the Harry Potter series. Okay. Because at least the Harry Potter series has a book with text that you just have. While you are absolutely right for what the invention of the Barbie toy was, that is 100% correct, and that should refute anyone mad about what this Barbie movie is, everyone's experience with it is so hyper-personal that credit to Greta for just accepting the fact that I'm going to go with what the original vision of the toy was, and no matter what, I'm going to piss people off, someone off, so let me do right by the toy line, which she did, but... That's, I think, why you're getting this a lot, is that you have a lot of these parents who play with it, and it does not 100% match their memory of it, mm-hmm. which is fine, but I think it's because it's such a personal attachment, you're getting all these varied perspectives, and because you have that, you've, of course, got the media who's going to latch onto that and try to flame it out even more. So that's you know- part of it. You know, something something I, I do have to say about the movie that I, I applauded for is that Greta Gerwig has proven one again and again and again that she just has such a great grasp of like 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 mother daughter relationships. Like this is the third movie now where I'm like, mm-hmm. 
she's she's really good she she understands the the family dynamics between like female members of a family in in little women it was the sisters in mm -hmm. ladybird it's the mother and her daughter and in this we get an element of barbie that's about the mother and the daughter and it expresses itself in two ways in this movie and both ways i'm like wow greta you really uh, you really get a good grasp on this mm -hmm. and and i i applaud her for that because you're right this this is a movie the reason I'm going on this thread is because yeah. you're right. This is a movie. This movie really feels like it's it like Greta Gerwig designed this. Like I want this for the women who grew up with Barbie and got their daughters to play with Barbie. And that's kind of the best audience for this movie. Not the only audience, but the best audience for this movie. And I thought those elements were very, very strong. And it was what kept me engaged with the movie. Um, something, something else I really liked about the movie, and I, I'd like to hear your perspective on this, mm -hmm. see, is, so the movie basically to, to sum it up as best as I can is that Margot Robbie plays and in, in a way, so, so she plays the, what, what, what everyone else calls the stereotypical Barbie. Like literally so, in the movie, they call her that. Yeah. So basically, um, and something I really like about the film too is that pretty much Helen Mirren is the narrator. She narrates that there is a world beyond the real world called Barbie Land where all the Barbies live. And that every Barbie ever made or imagined lives in Barbie Land. Margot Robbie plays the stereotypical Barbie. Like like literally the 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 Barbie everyone thinks of when they hear the word Barbie. Mm -hmm. So the one who isn't the physicist, the one who isn't the president, the one who isn't uh, any other profession, any other profession, the one who isn't a very diverse, very diverse, the one who doesn't have any particularly special talents. The one who didn't go to space two years before we actually went to space. Exactly. Exactly. Which is right. really funny too when you right. think about and, it. And, and she seems, she seems fine, fine with this life. And, mm -hmm. She starts having these weird thoughts about existential dread, about about like like depression, about uh, uh, you know not being happy all the time, feeling frustrated. That freaks her out. Uh, she comes to find out that someone in the real world is causing her to have these feelings. She decides to go to the real world, and that's kind of our our Barbie movie. That's kind of the setup for it, and et cetera, et cetera. So. Margot Robbie is pro this is probably as much of a perfect casting as casting Arnold Schwarzenegger as Conan the Barbarian. Yep. It just makes like, sense. Like, like, see, what did you think when you heard Margot Robbie was Barbie? I just, it, I didn't even think anything. I was just like, well, yeah, it was like, <laughs> there is no other current famous a actress at her level of fame. Like, in fact, she was getting Barbie comparisons in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Yeah. I totally remember. Think about that. Like, they're, in fact, it's specifically the dinner scene. I think that's the one they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Where, like, immediately the comparisons were of Barbie. And yeah. then she, I think, to almost rebuke that later on, did I, Tanya to show that she could do other things. Yeah. And then, of course, did Harley Quinn and all that. Mm -hmm. Great. Wonderful. But you see her as Barbie and you're like... Yeah, like it, this it completely fits. And mm -hmm. what's really also nice is that 
and I'm not saying that any other, I'm not saying no other actress could do this, but she has very impressive range for the things she's done. Like it's within a somewhat a bandwidth, but it is still impressive, which was necessary for what is basically Barbie going through an existential crisis. That's, that's what this was. And you needed someone to be able to have that range. You needed someone who played Itania and who played Harley Quinn to do a Barbie going through, going through this. That was the only way this was going to work. Mm-hmm. So I think we got very lucky in this casting mm-hmm. um, in, in, in so many ways. What, what were the things about Barbie that you really enjoyed? So here's what I'll say. I first want to add one quick thing. There's an interview Greta Gerwig gives where she talks about all the film inspirations behind the Barbie movie. And goddamn, Greta does her homework. Like, holy shit. She talks about, like, I think 20 different movies and in the ways they influenced her. Some are very obvious, like Truman Show and The Wizard of Oz. But there's two movies she talks about that I didn't think anyone would ever watch. And I was so happy she brought them up. One of them is The Red Shoes, and the other is A Matter of Life and Death. These are celluloid gold, is the only way I can describe them. They are some of the most visually beautiful movies of their time. The colors are vibrant and exciting, and they do things that you didn't imagine movies were, would ever do at the time. And weirdly, they don't for years after. I don't know why. But these movies, famously, actually, uh, Martin Scorsese says The Red Shoes is his favorite movie. Um, and he's the reason that because, okay, real quick thing, these movies were made, along with a couple others that are also very impressive, were made by the same uh, directing pair as well. But I, once I realized that she was going that deep, as, long as, as well as with other, a few other movies that I hadn't seen but have heard of, that moment when I watched that interview, this is maybe two weeks before the movie came out, I knew that this movie really could be special. Like, really could be something. But... I'll acknowledge I was worried that the amount of pink I was going to look at was going to be over, was going to be too much. That being said, to answer your question, what did I like about this movie? Okay. I really loved, the best way I can say it is I loved the first and third act of this movie. Like, holy cow. Those two sections. And I guess... That spi- the second act spills a little bit into what the third act does too. But those two sections were so good and so unexpectedly good that like just everything that, because the reason why I'm saying that too is one can argue that there's a similar vibe with the first act and the, se- and the third act. The mm-hmm. second act is where things are different. Um, but all the strengths of the movie come out full force you have the all the great different versions of barbie that are existing and so for the record folks it's and this trailer makes it very clear certain trailers make it clear all the women are called barbie except for one named midge and all the men are called ken except for one named alan but they here's, all refer, here, here's yeah. something funny i learned about midge and alan yeah so when the whole folks i'm not going to get into it but look up the midge barbie <laughs> to find out the whole scandal about it. It's mm. let me just put it this way. 
Mattel for a while was like, okay, the way we fix this is by having, by selling Midge and Alan together as a couple. Yeah. My mom as a child had a Midge doll. And well, yeah, because Midge started off as Barbie's friend. Yep. But the 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 reason Midge got into controversy, not gonna get not gonna get into why she got into controversy. Mattel was like, okay, okay, just just pair her up with Alan and sell that. Yeah. And it bit them in the ass because because then it got Ken into controversy with Alan. <laughs> well, well, no, no, no. Here's what uh, happened. Just just here's what happened. Sure. They sold them together, and. Parents who had to stick up their ass was like, where's the ring on their fingers? And that the, the problem got so bad that that's why Alan and Midge were discontinued. But yeah, if you guys yeah, want to look up like what what was the controversy with Midge, just Google Midge Barbie. It, it was it was it was it. Listen, I know it was a different time. But if you look up what some of these apparent parents were saying, you're like, what? You're like dr- pulling at threads here. It's crazy. But it was a different time. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But the what I'm saying, though, is that these the first act and the third act are just so strong in both the acting and the writing and the folks, the production design. And I specifically say production design. The goddamn set of this movie is definitely like quite possibly one of the most impressive sets in a movie that's been done in years. Like there's actually a really good video on YouTube of the, from architectural digest where they tour the set. It blows your mind how much they built. And it made me so happy that they did that because the re- when actors interact with real things, their, their performance improves. We've talked about this before. I won't go further on that. But you can tell every actor was so happy that they got to actually be in Barbie land. Like they actually got to like exist in it rather than being in a bunch of green rooms. Like they they gave that extra 10% and you see it in all of them. In all the Kens, all the Barbies, in Alan and Midge, you see it. And that that mainly is why those two acts are so strong um also the i'll say it the musical numbers are great and one of the three main songs in this movie is getting nominated for an oscar don't know which but one of them is oh i know which i know which and all three are gonna even even if they are all whichever one's nominated all three are gonna be performed at the oscars because they're so (laughs) popular you know, you know, I am Knuff is going to be performed. Like, you know it. Like, that's going to happen. First of all, the, the song is called I'm Just Ken. No, oh, I'm, I'm Just Knuff. Ken. Sorry. I'm Just Ken is going to be performed because that's been the big song. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's already on the Billboard Hot 100. Yeah. I will also just add, because I know I'm being general here, cause I, but I will also say that as a whole, I appreciate that the movie, there's a lot of going beyond what you said about what this movie's obviously going to be about. There's a lot of this, a lot of ways this movie could have approached it. And the, the, the thing that's become big now, we call it, we say, I am Knuff. I am Knuff. There are so many versions of this movie that don't include that for whatever reason. 
And I am so impressed with Greta Gerwig for including that entire arc in the story and not making it just this total side plot as like a little joke. I mean, I know it was funny, obviously, but like actually making it a fully realized element of the story really was a impressive choice and the care she put into it really made me respect what she did here. Like Mm -hmm. I, I appreciate that and I respect that. And yes, look, guys, fellas, guys, it, whether because okay, I went to this, see this movie by myself because I just needed to try to see it for this podcast. There's gonna be some moment where guys are made fun of in some way, and one of the jokes will at one point you'll feel called out. Al, I think you and I felt called out about the same joke, but that may be. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know the joke, but <laughs> like. Fun fact, folks, we have a podcast about movies, so you'll see the joke and you'll be like, okay, Al and C are those kinds of guys. Maybe, but still. I admit it. I don't don't deny it. I'm proud of it. I I will say I'm proud of it even in front of the the execution squad. So I just want to point out, because here's the thing, what, what... that little sequence did i know you've done with the prestige i know you've fucking done it i do i do i do i i'm not gonna deny it i'm not done it too i've done it too where i just like sit i've done the same thing with my favorite movie and i'm like like it's the, the the phrase that i don't think this was in the movie but i think the phrase that you and i and plenty of our other cinephile friends have said is as we're explaining it the said person that we're doing this to for the record, it's obsessing over one movie when they say, when their friend says, Oh, it sounds pretty good. Like this sounds like a good movie. And then we're just like, no, you don't understand. It's like that. It changed my life. It changed my life. It saved me. Point is every guy has a moment where you feel called out, but not like made fun of or hurt. You just feel lightly called out. And I think the accuracy of it, which was also impressive, which I'm wondering how much of that was Noah Baumbach, but who knows? Who knows? I, I I really do think it must have been some sort of I, I like like I would not be surprised if Noah Baumbach was like or Greta Gerwig goes like, you know, you talk about this movie all the time, it's kind of annoying. And he's like, Oh, we should put that in the movie. <laughs> that, you know what? Maybe. Um so that being said, um, and for the record, I'm not saying the second act is bad, but that is when the movie is at its weakest, I would say. Oh, and yeah, totally. Interestingly, it seems like maybe in the editing process, Greta figured that out because it's okay. Usually, it's like because the, usually the way you do it is act two is typically the longest act. Mm-hmm. Act two in this movie is clearly the shortest. Clearly. Like, mm-hmm. you see it. Like, normally you do 30... Okay, for a 90-page script, 30 pages is the first act, 60-ish pages is the second act, 30-ish page, 30 to 35 pages. Again, this is a rough metric, obviously. Longer movies, the pages are longer. But just add the pages to that initial count. Uh, so 30, 60, 30 is what you typically have. I would argue, in this case, it was 60, 30, 60, give or take, page mm-hmm. count-wise. Like, you notice it's different... And I don't know if it was originally written that way, but I am convinced, and I have no proof of this. I'm not saying she actually did this. It's just my hot take is that she realized that the movie is stronger 
in act one and act three. So let's only keep in what's necessary for two. And I think she made the right choice there. If that's what she did. Mm-hmm. So, so I, it, it's crazy. It's, I feel like you're in my brain. Cause I, I agree with a lot of the things you're saying. I think. So I'm just going to go into stuff. I like, cause basically yeah. the, the stuff you've mentioned is, is stuff I like. Okay. It's characters. I absolutely adored Margot Robbie's character arc in this. I adored it. I, I, I just have to say that it's it's such a life affirming arc of of how it is to be alive. You know, it's so beautiful. It's so true, and the fact that Greta Gerwig's able to weave in like these the the idea of like being afraid to truly live and like the idea of a mother needs to let a daughter go so that she can live these are beautiful beautiful themes and i think greta gerwig hit it out of the park with margot robbie here's the thing though while i absolutely adore barbie's character arc in this she is not the like she she is not the 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 personality typhoon of the movie she's not that my friends (laughs) is ken holy shit let me let me tell you something let me tell you something about ryan gosling ryan gosling got his start on the second iteration of the mickey mouse club and he was the clown of the mickey mouse club Justin Timberlake was a straight man. Ryan Gosling was the clown. And then he makes a little movie called The Notebook mm-hmm. and everybody wants him to be a heartthrob. Yep. And he is for a while. And he is for a while. And then he, he makes a, a little drive. drive <laughs> and everybody wants him to be this brooding anti-hero, uh, anti-hero badass. Mm-hmm. But deep Deep down in Ryan Gosling, there is this 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 jester who wants to come out and make you laugh with his high peach his high uh, pitch squealing uh, screams. Well, if people have pointed out that there are quite possibly two Ryan Goslings, and these are the two we've seen. So the only time I've seen Ryan Gosling anywhere close to this funny. Was in the Nice Guys. Yes. Oh my God, I love that movie. That that movie's great. Directed by Shane Black. Everyone should watch it. It's an underappreciated comedy. It's amazing. Thriller or comedy noir. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's it has a really good Russell Crowe performance too. Um, he Ryan Gosling is hilarious in the Nice Guys. Oh my but God. But in Barbie, he takes it up like ten notches. Mm-hmm. His physical comedy. Is something that would make Buster Keaton proud, Charlie Chaplin proud. His, his just, you know, his like witty, his like comedic responses to every every situation around him is hilarious. Like Ryan Gosling makes coming off as a sexist asshole like side splittingly <laughs> funny. Oh my god! Yep. He makes, like, <laughs> I'm not joking. So, 
So he, his, <laughs> I'm just, I'm sorry. It's just so fucking funny. His reaction to coming in the real world. Oh my God. That was the best part of the second act, to be honest. Was him going like, oh, this is all great. And you would think, uh-oh, Ken's about to get some really bad ideas. And he does get bad ideas. Yes, he does. But it's so fucking funny where he's like, oh, this means horses. No, no. What, here's the thing. Okay, guys. Basically, Ken learns what masculinity is, but doesn't really get, doesn't really know what it is. In, like, because it's still through a Barbie lens, kind of. So, yes, as you said, Al, it's the manliest thing out there are horses that's and bill that's, clinton and bill clinton yes oh oh and, and, and sylvester stallone in and a fur guy. coat and a, yes sylvester stallone in a fur coat oh my god um ryan gosling is a force of nature in this movie mm-hmm. he really is and listen if i had faith in the academy i would be in total agreement with those that are saying oscar nomination for best supporting actor but do you have faith in the academy of course not i do now, not we can we can acknowledge that the academy is not stupid enough to not nominate it for uh i don't know best production design okay but you you want to know my hot take i do think i think barbie will get a nomination for best adapted screenplay i think it'll get best ad- nom- okay nominations best adapted screenplay best production design and best costumes and i think it'll get a best picture nomination i genuinely do so Ryan Gosling is a force of nature in this movie. His whole, his arc is literally that he cannot be happy unless he's with Barbie because that's literally what Ken's are meant to do. They're just mm-hmm. meant to be Barbie's like, like arm candy. This is that's, the funniest Ken interpretation since toy story three for the record. Yes. Yes. And that was really pretty funny. Is. No, that was pretty funny, but this, this, this just takes it on a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, listen with the support, this is a really big supporting cast. I'll say this. All the actresses who play the Barbies, they do a fine job. Alexandra mm-hmm. Ship, Emma Mackey, um, Issa Rae. Issa uh, Rae is pretty funny in this. I- Issa Rae is pretty funny in this. Kate McKinnon, um, Harry Neff, uh, uh, Sharon Rooney. Uh, they, they all, they all, they're all, they're all, they all do a good job as the Barbies. You know, they, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're a wide spectrum of Barbies as it should be, because that's kind of the whole point of the toy line. Mm-hmm. Um, the actors who pay, who play a wide spectrum of Kens, they they're they're fine too, but they really like the Kens really begin to shine mm-hmm. uh, once the once the 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 third act Hits. starts rolling. That's yeah. when like Simu Liu Simu Liu plays a Ken who's a rival to Ryan Gosling's Ken, mm-hmm. and he's like like again he's he's like he's he's fine when in the first act where he's he's in. But he doesn't begin to shine until like, until like all the Kens are like, are like have have like an elevated uh, view of themselves. Simu Liu, Benzli, Kinsley Benadir, mm-hmm. uh, Kudi Gatwa, Scott Evans, they they all like bring a a dimension to their Kens in the third act that it's just they're all just so funny, really, truly. Mm-hmm. Like Simu Liu does this this thing like in a certain dance sequence. That's just so funny. Yeah. Uh, Kinsley Benadir plays like this very, like this very kind of shy, bashful Ken. But something I have to point out with all the actors that played the toys, 
the su- there's one subtle thing they do in their movement. They don't move like puppets. Like they're not being over the top with it. But you realize they do move with slightly as if they had some less bones in their body. It's yeah. very subtle, but it's very well done. Like I, I would not backs, be surprised. Their backs are always straight, no matter what. Even when I would bend, not be surprised if they went through a boot camp to try to like move as close to like how the the Barbie dolls move as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, now there are uh, there's a human element in this movie. Uh. Uh, America Ferreira plays a mother and uh, Ariana Greenblatt plays her daughter. And I would say they are the strongest human element in the movie because there's some, they have arcs. It's, it's trying to grow in, and develop their relationship to something healthy. Right now it's, it's a little cold and they're trying to develop into something healthy. Mm-hmm. And I think that element of their characters works really, really, really well. I, I, I really like it. I I it kind of brought a tear to my eye. I think it's very it, there, there's a there's a truth in that that I really do believe in that story. Like I was like, oh, this this is something that Greta Gerwig believes, and I'm I'm here for it. I, I really enjoyed it. What I didn't like was the car commercial in the middle of the movie. Well, not just the car commercial in the middle of the movie. Sorry, but yeah. the the corporate subplot of the movie that to me i was just like why is this here why like it just there's no point to it it doesn't really lead to anything um and this is kind of the section with will ferrell and honestly i just kept thinking like why is will ferrell playing a worse version of his character from the lego movie i'm yeah that's what i was gonna say i'm not digging this 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 sucks this isn't really good and I don't know if it was like there's there's a satirical element to the film because it's a it's a satire about Barbie as much as it's a celebration about Barbie. Mm-hmm. And obviously if you're going to satirize Barbie you have to satirize Mattel. But the thing is it just it never feels organic. You're like it feels like the movie's like okay, I guess we got to show the execs. Let's let's like bring them in and I I just never felt like this movie worked. There's there's like one like organic moment where Barbie's story and the story of the exec board intersect. And it's an it's a fine scene. It's okay. It's it's fine. Mm-hmm. But honestly, you could have cut it out. And you could have cut everything involving them out and the movie would have been a stronger movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it it would have played the same because you're like, "Oh, all these elements are kind of interrelated." Like everything involving Mattel sticks out because it's not really, it doesn't really have any effect on the main story. You know, truly what you could have had is, so this is a little spoilery. It opens with the Mattel, the the board of Mattel in their, in their CEO room or not their CEO room. Jesus in their, in having a board, the, the exact board, they, yeah. the exec board. And they learn that Barbie has entered the real world. You could have just kept that scene and then like, that's it. And then you end it with like either them realizing like having a post credit scene where they've accomplished where the the people in the room accomplished nothing, or like they sort of trail off and they somehow made it to Barbie Land, in their own way. But basically, it would have almost been funnier as you just have that scene and then you you end it there because it's just sort of making Mattel aware of what's going on. Yeah. And then that would because that's like the only good scene that they're in. 
because it's kind of funny, but it's not nearly comparable to any of the other humor mm-hmm. in the movie. Mm-hmm. You have that moment, and that's pretty much it. You don't need any of the other stuff that much. Even though there's like a tie into Barbie's origins there, it it's not as necessary as one would think. You could have easily put that character in another position and it would have worked fine. Like yeah. it's it just it's unnecessary. Um, and and like you're saying, the car commercial in the middle of the second act was so egregious and just like listen, I, I give credit to Greta Gerwig that she's she's a creative filmmaker. She ain't ready to do a car chase scene. No. It's not a good one. And it's so obvious that they shot it because they just always have to have this Chevy in frame all the time that it just yeah. it just didn't work. Yeah. Um, when you start mentioning specific features about the car, which that part wasn't so egregious, fine, do that. But like the moment happens, I'm like, oh, okay. I see where now, we're going. Now, kind of circling back to Ken, like there's like, again, Everything C said about the movie that he loved, I loved, and I've said some things that I loved that he didn't mention. I'm going to talk about some things I didn't like. And it's very few. Like, I've already talked about the car commercial. I've already talked about the exec board. Mm -hmm. Uh, Something that bugs me about movies, and the movie, the most recent movie that really, really bugged me was Us, where the movie presents a set of rules. Okay, fine. And either the message of the movie, the metaphor of the movie clashes with the rules or the plot clashes with the rules. Now, sometimes a movie can get away with this when, when the rules are kind of just meant for the characters and they're not important for the audience. What us did was that us made it that the audience had to know the rules in order to understand the story the rules clashes with the story so much that at the end you're like, wait, no, that's fucking stupid. That would never happen. What, what the fuck are you talking about? And I left us going like, that sucked. That, no, no, that's so stupid. Now, Barbie does something really smart. Barbie does not spend 45 minutes explaining the, the concept of Barbie land. It's just, there's a Barbie land. It is what it is. They can come to the real world sometimes, deal with it. That's smart because the point of the movie is not to rationally explain Barbie land. That's not the point. That's smart. That worked really, really well. What the movie did though, that kind of bothered me and left me scratching my head was that the movie very clearly states that the Barbies are influenced by how they're played with in the real world. Okay. Ostensibly, this also is how the Ken's work. And all the other dolls work. Okay, fine. Here's my question. Eventually, to not get into specifics, eventually the Kens decide that they're sick and tired of the Barbies running things. And they want to run things. Okay. The thing is, is that the way the movie presents the rules is that the Kens wouldn't feel this way unless someone plays with them like that. And that just confuses me because... who would play with Ken's that would want the Ken's to be top dog. And the movie never answers that. It just like it, like it brings up these rules that the dolls are influenced by how they're played with in the real world in order to explain why Barbie needs to go to the real world and why she's having these feelings. But then it drops the whole subject and kind of 
kind of pivots over to Barbie having to save Barbie land with the help of these two humans and Ken fucking things up with other Kens. Mm -hmm. And the thing that frustrates me is that like, I just, Ken's motivation for doing it makes sense as a character. That makes sense. I, I get that. And I'm like, okay, that, that's why he would do that. But from what, how the rules were set out, like his character wouldn't be feeling that if he's being played with because he's an accessory. He's not a doll. And because of the plot of the movie, because of the themes the movie's trying to touch on, you know, touch on feminism, patriarchy, blah, 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 blah. Again, I understand why the plot went that direction. It's just that, again, I'm like, in terms of the rule the movie made, it just didn't work. I'm not saying Ken shouldn't have done that. I'm just saying that if you were going to follow the rules, you you at least have to you, you have to have the rules fit the story and the story work with the rules. Because if you don't, the audience is going to have that disconnect like I did and be like, well, why are they doing that? You you explain you spend a whole scene explaining how things work and Ken just does this. It's funny. It's funny. It's it's interesting. It has interesting things to say about gender roles. But why would Ken even go down this road based on the rules you set up? And that was my only complaint in terms of that regard, because Again, there should never be a disconnect between the rules your movie sets sets up and the story, how the story works within those rules. And this way, the clash was just too much for me to ignore. That being said, that being said, if you're not like me and you that stuff just doesn't bother you whatsoever, the 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 path Ken takes is a very interesting one. It's a very interesting one because Greta Gerwig just doesn't go like, oh, this is bad. Greta Gerwig shows that, you know, that this path happens when your purpose is just to kind of lift up this other group of people. Right. And I know I know a lot of a, a lot of feminists on the Internet were like, oh, guys are now understanding our, our understanding uh, women's plight in the real world. And I'm like, yeah, that was that was the point Greta Gerwig was. That's literally the point Greta Gerwig is trying to make in this movie, at least for me. I was like, yeah, no, that like, why are you mocking these guys for connecting the dots? That's literally what Greta Gerwig wanted you to do. So I I didn't mind the path. I minded that the rules were created in a way that made him going down that path not make sense. So that's my biggest biggest critique of the film in terms of like. Because when you write something like this where you're trying to do satire, you're trying to establish a world, you're doing world building and stuff, the, all this stuff has to like, it, it's, it's, a, it's a balance. It's a, it's a high wire act. And you risk, you risk kind of dropping everything if you don't like really make sure that every, all the dots connect really well. I don't know. Do you think I'm being nitpicky? Because I've had people tell I don't me. Think you, I don't think you are. Um... Because you're acknowledging that, like, you still enjoy the movie, that Ken's motivation makes sense, and that what happens makes sense. You're not, you're not saying that, like, you didn't like what happened. If you said this and then said, therefore, I don't like what happens with the Kens, that would be, I would then accuse you of being nitpicky because then you're like, or like saying you're making a bigger deal of it, because then it's like, well, you're letting this small thing ruin a huge, great chunk of the movie, but mm -hmm. you're not. You're fully acknowledging that 
what the Kens do was really funny and really well done. Um, Especially the ultimate resolution of that. I, I just like, it was something straight out of, of, of like a, uh, uh, like straight out of, of, of singing in the rain oh, or Greece. A hundred percent. The only thing, so actually Greta Gerwig talks about Greece and she says something that's really, really, really funny. And she says, Greece is a movie shot in the seventies, takes place in the fifties, and all the actors are in their forties. <laughs> like that's so true. That is Greece. That is very much Greece. Because it's mm-hmm. she just says when you really look at it in that way, it's like that makes it all the weirder that it did so well. Mm-hmm. Fair. And I also. I think Greece is aged poorly, but that's just me. Um, that's not discussion for here. Um, I will say that what you're saying is completely fair, and I would say you're right. For me, I tie that more into the weakness of the second act. But one thing I will say to not even counter what you're saying, but to at least point out how the film almost like not smooths over, but definitely makes this not as glaring as it could be, which is the movie very much, the movie's approach to the rules of the world is very knowingly lassadaisical. Like like you said, with like, don't worry about how Barbie Land functions. Literally the narrator basically says that. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about how this is possible. Don't worry about this. One of the few Will Ferrell lines that made me laugh in the movie is when he's like, Barbie land is like a town in Sweden and you're like, what? But it's funny. And he just says it. And okay. No, I accept it. But in that sense, what I would say though, is that I would argue that that approach that the movie took is why maybe people didn't notice that part as much is what I would say. Mm -hmm. I, I only notice it because again, there is an extended scene with Kate McKinnon and Margot Robbie that the rules are explained. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, these are fine rules. These are okay. Like, and then just more questions arise. Like, you're like, okay, does, how, how did this work with the Kens? Cause they, now, did they you do- think, did you think the, I, so there's something that, so, okay. Without getting to too much spoilery stuff, the Kens kind of affect the real world a little bit. See, and, and again, that's the thing where it's like, okay, again, the movie's very lackadaisical about the rules. Mm-hmm. When the Kens affect the real world, you're like, okay. And the movie goes like, it's just weird. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, okay. I mean, it's a funny joke, but it is still something where you're like, how, how did that work then? Like, are, are the Kens now the top, the top selling doll? Like, like, and, and the movie doesn't answer. It just says, oh, look, this weird accessory is now being sold like hotcakes. And you're like, okay, I guess. Um, and then the thing is, is that, so a lot of people are like, ooh, uh, Barbie land is a matriarchy. And I'm like, no, no, no. Barbie land is a Barbie arc Like, like it, it, it's, it's a Barbie supremacist state. Like, <laughs> like, no, seriously, seriously. That anybody kind of becomes a matriarchy in the end a little bit. Well, they, they okay, allude to, yeah. So, so basically folks, the, all the people who make the decisions and do all the stuff in Barbie land are Barbies. No one else. Yeah. Not the it's, Midges, not the Allens, not the Barbie Kens. Yeah. It's Barbie land. It's by the Barbies, for the Barbies, with the Barbies. Yeah. And the the thing is, is that when one group is like, 
oh, now we're going to take over. I'm like, okay, but what about the other groups? What about them? Because there's, 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 they're literally the thing, the thing when they show Midge again, I'm like, what did Midge have to say about all this? The movie yeah, never, Midge think? no, and the movie never touches on that. And the thing is, is that again, it's because the way the rules are presented, you're like, okay, then what about these other dolls? Like how, how, do, how does that work? And again, that to me is a little nitpicky to be like, well, what about the other dolls? So I, I totally own that. And to be fair, they answer that with what Alan does in this movie. I no, yeah, no, that. Alan, Alan, like at least was like, okay, at least I get an answer in this one. But they allude that Alan is like the last one. So, yeah. So you're He's like, like the okay. last unicorn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, by the way, Michael Sarah does a great job. He has a great little scene as Alan that just came out of nowhere. And I think my understanding is, is that he just wanted to show off that he still knows his like, his like Scott Pilgrim training. Yeah. And I'm like, good for does. you, Michael Sarah. Good for you. He does. He does. Um, but anyway, was there outside of the, outside of the car, car chase scene outside of the, uh, real world stuff, the second act, was there anything that really bothered you with the movie? Mm. Let me think. Mm. I guess I'll say this. There's things I saw in the trailer that I was convinced were going to bother me based on how it was being presented. And I was just so shocked that they did not. That's the honest truth there. The big one that I was worried about is I was really scared that the musical dance sequences that were coming were going to be really annoying. Like, you know, when a bad DreamWorks movie or a bad Disney movie inserts a song that isn't good yeah. in, in a way, I was really worried that these were going to be that. Like, these weren't going to be good. But credit to everyone involved, literally everyone, these, the dance sequences were all great. The songs were catchy. They were very well done. This movie uh, has the first Lizzo song that I know was made to make me laugh. Every other Lizzo song I've heard that made me laugh, I know was never the intention. This is the one where I'm like, oh no, Lizzo's trying to make me laugh. Yeah, that's that's fair. And I'll also <laughs> say that, so the... The, the, the ending song, which I think we agree is the one that's going to be nominated for mm -hmm. best song, that's an intense song. And actually, I do recommend I, – I was looking up – so when I was on IMDb, I saw that Greta Gerwig actually directed the music video for um, the Dua Lipa one. So mm -hmm. I, like, looked it up, and it's it's fun. It's silly. It's, it's a good time. Whatever. But then I was like, oh, what about the other songs? So I – I haven't seen if there's I'm Just Ken, but I want there to be one. Um, I think it'd be awesome if Ryan Gosling does that. And then, but I did look up, and I don't know the name of it, but I looked up the song for the, the, the ending song, the one that basically everyone plays and it says, it, you know, makes you sad because it is a very mm. sad song. And I watch it and what's that singer's name? Um, she, Billie Eilish. It's Billie Eilish yeah. doing that. And credit to Billie Eilish, it's a very um, intimate, sweet music video that you can tell, while I didn't fully resonate with it, you can tell and respect that it's very personal for her in what she does. Mm -hmm. So I do recommend watching those two music videos because one's like your standard one, but the other one is very personal. And actually, mm -hmm. you can tell Billie Eilish really cared about yeah, it. Yeah, because it ties into the themes of mothers and daughters, which yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm neither a mother nor a daughter, but that was, that was the element of the film that really, really resonated with me. More so than even the Ken comedy. Like the stuff with them, 
everything that involved mother daughters and just loving life warts and all that really resonated with me. Some well, of that last I, set of clips is really powerful too. Exactly. One thing that I surprised didn't bother me and I assumed it was because sometimes, sometimes, you know, a monologue can be so in your face that you're like, okay, dude, you don't know the art of subtlety. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greta Gerwig writes this, it's ostensibly a feminist monologue given to one of the character, one of the human characters. And it, it's, it literally becomes a plot device. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about it that, that I, I found so interesting was the fact that the, the, the monologue itself is not very, it, it doesn't follow a flow of, of like true logic and reason. Like it, it, it comes off as someone who's literally just kind of ranting like, like some, like I know this is weird to say, it sounds like the rant of someone who's just exasperated and just, just letting loose. And that just felt more real to me mm-hmm. where I was like, yeah, no, if someone was kind of going to vent about all their perceived problems in society, it would sound something like this. And, you know, I was like, like a lot of people like, oh, this is the worst part of the movie. Oh, this is the worst part of the movie. To me, I was like, no, 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 no. The executive board stuff is the worst part of the movie. The the chase scene is the worst part of the movie. This this does not bother me in the slightest. In fact, I'm kind of impressed that I actually this feels believable, mm-hmm. you know. So I was shocked. And again, credit to Greta Gerwig's writing and directing and and uh, America Ferreira's performance that I genuinely was on the monologue's wavelength. I'm like, okay, this feels like this feels like something someone real would say to me. You know? I may not agree with it fully, but this feels real. And I, I applaud Greta Gerwig for for conceptualizing this scene like that. Because again, when you think about it, you're like, oh, that monologue's like a plot device. Oh, that's kind of weak. But you're like, yeah, but but the way it's birthed is just so organic and feels so real that you kind of accept it. And again, yeah. credit to Greta Gerwig as a filmmaker for conceptualizing that. And and just to me, it wasn't cringy. I know a lot of people out there like it was the cringiest part of the movie, but to me, it wasn't cringy. To me, it genuinely felt like it felt there authentic. Is some, yeah, it, there is some cringe to it, but that's because it's, this is an exasperated woman who's just sick and tired of everything that's been happening to her that day. Yeah, so, she's but, had a lot like. Credit to her there. The, the human character in this, the mother, basically, has had a long-ass day. <laughs> a so. long-ass day. Yeah. Um, and then something that, again, I applaud the movie. You've mentioned this before, and I just want to add a little thing before we give our rating. Yeah. The, the, the way Ken's character ends, I think, is a very important message for men. Because, ostensibly, Ken is, a, Ken is someone who feels like they are defined by a particular woman wanting them. And the way Ken's character resolves that issue, I think is something that a lot of men in this day and age need to hear that. Yes, you are enough. Just you is enough. You will find your purpose does not need to be tied to that, uh, to that shallow blonde headed bimbo, my fellow men. <laughs> Sorry, Barbie. I just, I just, I just had to give one dig to you. Cause you know, I don't play with Barbies. Neither do I. So, see, yeah, what's your uh, what's your rating? This is this is a pretty pink flush. It's really oh fuck good. you! That was gonna be mine. Ah, <laughs> damn it! God, 
<laughs> See, you know, what, you know what I like about this episode, Al? Is what? 90... So, we, we know... So, this is our 71st episode, which pat ourselves on the back for a second. God damn. Um, we know the episodes when... Uh, let me be clear. There are good episodes when we're in sync and good episodes where we're not. Let me be clear. But this is an episode that we are so... Like, <clears throat> this is a good episode we're in sync. Not the band in sync, but we're in sync. Never, never By mind. the way, all all in sync are Allens. Just FYI. <laughs> No, that was intentional or not on your part, but but Alan literally said, "Yeah, they're all Allens." Oh my god! My point is, yes, this is a pretty in pink flush because it. I and that, there's a purpose for what I'm saying. That I mentioned earlier that based on the trailer, I was worried about certain things, mainly that overall that this movie was going to be visually and emotionally nauseating in certain ways, and credit to Greta Gerwig. Holy shit, it managed to not at all be. And my the critiques, it's so funny. I genuinely thought that I was only going to get some relief when she left Barbie Land. But the fact that that's like the weakest part of the movie is shocking and impressive. So that's why I say it's a pretty in pink flush. Um, I can't give it a fucks because the critiques I've said, truly. And actually the critiques you've said as well. That that's that's enough. That's enough to bring it down to a flush. Yeah. So I'm this this to me is a Barbie's dream flush. Or no, <laughs> it's a Ken's Mojo Dojo Casa flush. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like yeah, everything you said. See, it's it's true. Like the the thing about this is that this is impressive filmmaking on Greta Gerwig's part. Um, to be able to make something like this in a scale that isn't like epic, but it's still a grand scale. Like you just don't see that in blockbusters anymore. Um, the, the, on a technical level, this film's, this film is technically perfect. It's just the fact of the matter is that these sets were built. These dream houses were built. That's, that's just so impressive. Um, First off, I hope they don't destroy. I hope some part of the set is preserved in some way. I think, I think, good. I think if, if Warner brothers has a billion dollar move in their hands, they're not going to tear down the sets anytime soon. For yeah, they're going to let people tour the Barbie dream yeah. Land set, which would be a um, very smart move on their part. I, I gotta say, um, there, the things that I know Greta Gerwig makes sacrifices in like the pretty obvious product placement mm -hmm. outside of the Chevy and the Birkenstocks didn't really bother me. And, uh, yeah, no, like, Folks, guys, if, if you don't want to watch this movie because it's too girly, it's not for you. Trust me, there's this movie is juggling a lot of ideas that something you're going to attach yourself to something. Maybe it's Ken's desperation to have Barbie like him. Maybe it's Barbie's fear of the real world. Maybe it's the mother daughter elements that are in this movie. I don't know. Something you'll find to attach yourself with. Um, for me, the biggest laughs were the Ken part. For me, the things that made me tear up the most were the mother-daughter parts. Uh, uh, not necessarily with the human characters, but, you know, the less said the better. Um, mm -hmm. And there's a scene in this movie. The, the one scene in the second act that I was like, this is amazing. Where Barbie has just experienced the worst of the quote-unquote real world. And then she experienced why the real world rocks. Mm-hmm. And that to me was like, and the fact that this line continues on and on and on throughout the film, again, credit to Greta Gerwig that 
yes, this is a satire of Barbie. Yes, this is a movie about Barbie, but it's ostensibly a movie about, you know, just the life and how it kind of sucks for women, kind of sucks for men. But ultimately, whether through Barbie or patriarchy, whatever, life is so great that we would rather learn to deal with it than to not be in it. So I, 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 I really enjoyed this movie. Um, the elements that I didn't like, I didn't like, and I've already said it, but yeah, I really like this movie. I also need to say, and this, okay, I'm saying this, I'm not going to say what it is, but this part is a bit of a spoiler. So know that, folks, if you haven't seen the movie yet. This is, I'm referencing something that's spoilerish. This movie quite possibly has the best final line in a movie of this year. Yes! <laughs> yes! God. I don't want to say what it is. For that it alone... Is, it is the best red herring scene in a while. It's... It's it's and, and and that just shows you that Greta Gerwig again knows visual and narrative tropes inside and out mm-hmm. that we would be caught so unaware at the joke that it 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 may be the best joke in the movie. It it's it no it's it's the best joke in the movie and it ties the whole movie together and just just that that line is spoken and I literally i'm not going to repeat the laugh i did but it it was like a belt i belted it out mm-hmm. and then everyone else laughed too it it's really 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 funny and that alone is worth seeing and i go, let me be clear this movie doesn't need your ticket it's already made a ton of money as we've said but this is something you actually should see in theaters for the spectacle of it alone i'll mm-hmm. say that too but i had to mention that real quick that the final line of this movie is quite possibly the best when we do our top 10 regardless of what my top 10 is none of the movies will have as good of a final line and let me be clear we reviewed a movie that has the line, I am death destroyer of worlds. And this line was better. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> think about okay. that. For okay. A see. Okay. I'm sorry. All right. So this has been, what do you think? I'm Al. And I'm Knuff. And you are Knuff. And we're all Knuff. We're all Knuff. Knuff. And good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.